Well, we're in this sort of mini-series, if you like, within 1 Corinthians as a church. We're going through the whole of the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, we were going through it fairly rapidly, a sort of big chunk by big chunk, and then we came to chapter 12, and we've slowed right down. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 are about spiritual gifts. And Paul, as he starts this part of the letter to the Corinthians, he says, I do not want you to be uninformed. And just as the Corinthians were not to be uninformed, we are not to be uninformed. And so we're digging deep in the riches of this part of God's word. And we're seeing things that possibly we haven't seen before. We're hearing things that maybe are different to the cultural background that we've come from. We need the Lord's help in that. And chapter 13 is often separated from the whole of this book. Chapter 13 is often brought out by itself. And as we've read this, and as we're particularly concentrating on verses uh, 4 to the first part in 8, these verses read like a hymn. They read like a hymn or a song about love. They could be called a love song in some ways. And some commentators think that this was a song that was already known and sung by the churches and people knew it well. And others think that Paul wrote it earlier and brought it out on this occasion, like a backtrack, bringing it in uh, from his back collection. And some people think that the Apostle Paul wrote it especially for this letter. In all honesty, it doesn't matter. That's, that's not the big deal. The big deal is it is here. In God's word. It's here in this letter to the Corinthians. And as it was relevant for the Corinthians then, it's relevant for us now. I'm sure you can all imagine the picture there that's up there. The wedding. I'm sure that you've been to weddings where these words are read. And the bride is gazing into the eyes of the bridegroom. And the mother-in-law is wiping misty tears from her eyes. And the other girls over there are jealous because they want it to be them and it's not their turn yet. But you get the picture of a wedding going on and you have these words read, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy nor boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And there's Mr. and Mrs. Newlywed looking into each other's eyes, thinking love never ends. And and like we said last week, these verses are seen all over the place. They're so Instagrammable. They're in coffee shops, they're on walls, they're all over the place. And it's so easy for us to imagine this sort of sentimental, lovey, fluffy love. This wedding type of love. But friends, what I want to explain to you, that's not what Paul meant it for, for the Corinthians. And so, yes, they stand alone and they are great verses for a wedding. Don't get me wrong. And yes, there's far worse things you could quote on social media. Absolutely. And, and yes, it's a, it's a good status to have. 
But can you imagine this? This is what we need to do. We need to go back in our minds to the time of the Corinthians and imagine what it was like for the Corinthians as they heard these verses read to them for the first time. I don't think the Corinthians have been humming along the tune as this was read. I don't even think the Corinthians would have been mouthing the words. I think those Corinthians, as they heard those words read, they would have looked down at the floor embarrassed. They would have been red-faced. They would have been convicted. Because this is the reality of what's going on. We forget what is going on when we take these verses out of their context. The context is what has just been said. And last week we saw very starkly what it was saying. The Corinthians had just heard this shocking revelation. The very spiritual gifts that they had prized, the very spiritual gifts that they had craved after were described as nothing if they did not have love. And in fact, it's worse than that because that statement is not accurate. It wasn't that the gifts were described as nothing if they did not have love. The gift is something. It was the one manifesting the gift without love was nothing. There's no fault with the gift. The problem is with the one who has received and is manifesting the gift without love. If you manifest these gifts without love, if you manifest tongues and the tongues of men and angels, and you manifest that and you speak it and you do not have love, you are a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You remember that monkey last week, clanging the cymbal. That wasn't pleasant, was it? And just hearing a clanging cymbal all the time is not good. And then we know that if, if he had this ability to know all knowledge and, and, and have prophetic words and almost be like God in himself with his prophetic spirituality. And if he has no love, Paul says, I am nothing. It's not the gift is nothing. He is nothing. And then the person who's given everything away, the person who's had their life burnt up or sacrificed for the, the sake of the gospel or whatever, if love is not there, I gain nothing. And there it was, the very thing the Corinthians thought that made them something. If it was used without love, meant that they were nothing. That's what they've just heard. That is the reality of what they've heard. That is the context of this passage. They've just heard that no love equals they are nothing. It doesn't matter how great those miraculous gifts may have been in their mind's eye. Without love, they were nothing. And with that ringing in their ears, they heard this, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own ways. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but it rejoices in the truth. 
Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And then the Corinthians, as they heard this description of love, would have to acknowledge that they didn't have love like that. That's the shocking truth. This wasn't a song that they were dancing to about love. This wasn't a sentimental feel-good. This was like God speaking directly into their lives. And love is a telling off. These verses are a telling off from the Apostle Paul to these Corinthians. These verses are like the Apostle Paul bringing up a mirror to the lives of these Corinthians and saying, Look, you say you have these great gifts, but have you love? Because if you have these great gifts without love, you are nothing. And the Corinthians are thinking, what is this love? And the Apostle Paul tells them exactly what love is. And what I want us to do to to underline this is to quickly go over some of the previous parts of this letter. And as we go over that, we will see how this church, back then, that those Corinthians were lacking love, is set out in this chapter 13. And as we see that, we will realize why they would have been sat there, not humming along thinking this is a nice ditty about love, but they would have been sat there convicted of the fact that they were living a loveless life. And consequently, those gifts of the Spirit and whatever they thought they had were making themselves nothing. I want us to run through the letter to this point, the first 14 chapters. And I want you to imagine in your minds, this might help you, that you've got a split screen. And on the one side, you've got the event playing. So the Corinthians are there and they can flash back in their minds to those different events set out. The different things that were going on in their lives. And at the same time, next to them are those words running out. Love is patient. Love is kind. I want us to see these events of the past in the light of these verses here in 1 Corinthians 13. In 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 3, Paul wants to address them as spiritual people. Paul wants to come to these people, these people, and he wants to speak to them as spiritual people. Now get this, these people thought they were spiritual. These people thought they were a mighty church. These church were the church full of charisma, full of the charismatic, full of tongues being spoken. And Paul says to them, I cannot speak to you as spiritual people. Why? Because there is jealousy in strife. Verse 3, for you are still of the flesh, while there is jealousy and strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? They were guilty of not being truly loving because love doesn't envy. It's not rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. 
It's not irritable. It's not resentful. And there were these brothers and sisters in Christ, and they were full of jealousy and strife. And then if you move on to Corinthians 4, 1 Corinthians 4, and verses 6 and 7, and Paul is bringing out their pride. They've got issues about who's the greatest and who they are serving under, and then the rest of it. And then in verse 6, Paul says, I've applied these things to myself and Apollo for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in the favor of one against the other. For who sees anything different in you? What you have, you did not receive. If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive. Paul is looking on these Corinthians, and he's saying to them, look, you're puffed up. You're walking in pride. You are boasting. And that is not loving, because love does not boast. Love is not arrogant. It is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. And there in Corinthians 4, the Corinthians were insisting on their own way. They were boasting. They were puffed up. They were arrogant. And it seems like these guys have a real, real problem with pride. Because again, if we move on a little bit further in 4, in 8 to 19... Paul calls it out again. In verse 18, he says, Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come soon, if the Lord wills. I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. The arrogance was not believing that Paul would come. The arrogance was not taking Paul's apostolic word seriously. The, the arrogance was thinking that they were greater. There was no patience. They were, beha- they were behaving rudely. They were not rejoicing in the truth. They were not bearing with. They were not believing. They were not hoping in Paul's visit. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And these people were arrogantly, proudly going their own way, doing their own thing. And in chapter 5, we see that they have a problem with sexual relations within the church. And in verses 1 or 2, Paul points out that it's not only pride, but it's rude, and it's unkind, and it's an unloving behavior. Verse 1 of chapter 2 is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even amongst the pagans. The Corinthian church was acting in a deeper, dirtier, more horrible-based way than even the pagans. And it was a man having his father's wife. And he said, and you are arrogant. Ought you not mourn and let him who's done this thing be removed from you? The, the, the lack of love is staggering here. 
The eyes are so blinded by the perpetrators of this love, they probably think that they've got love for one another, and because I love my father's wife so much, it's fine and it's okay, and that's not love. And then they're arrogantly... And, and, and the wrong idea to love here is shocking. And, and the pride and the arrogance is to think that this loveless act was, was, was okay. It is so far removed from Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. And it's unbelievable that they thought it was okay. There was a lack of love because love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. And here they are, they are pride, having pride in their wrongdoing, in their sinfulness. And then in 1 Corinthians 6, 1 to 8, Paul blows the whistle on irritable and resentful behavior that's far from being patient and kind. The brothers in the church had grievances with one another. And rather than going to one another and and working it out, they took each other to court. They went to the local law courts. They were dragging the name of the Lord through the law courts in in a horrendous way. It says there in 7, when one of you goes, with a grievance, goes against another, does he dare go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? But you yourselves are wrong and defraud even your own brother. So that's verse 1 and then verse 8 being quoted there. And, and, and this grievance they have is a lack of patience. Love is patient. Love is kind. There's no kindness in there. And it's, it's insisting on its own way. The one is insisting on its own way, his or her own way, so much they're taking them into a civil court to sort this out, to have their rights, to, to have one over the other. And it's gone so far, and it's been scaled up so much, they are defrauding even your own brothers. It's shocking. And we could ask ourselves the question, where is the love? And can you imagine, this is what was in the Corinthians' mind as they looked in the mirror of that passage. In 1 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 13, we we read this chapter earlier. And Paul points the finger to yet another loveless attitude within this church. There were some differences of opinion. Some were happy to eat meat that was offered to idols, and others were not. And there was a kind of pride for those who felt they could. We are, we are better. We are liberated. We can eat it. And there were those that, that couldn't. Their conscience wouldn't let them. And, and they were each insisting on their own way, and they had no patience or kindness for one another. And this loveless attitude was causing great problems. And Paul says to them in verse 11 of 8, and so by your knowledge, and then that knowledge has puffed them up and they think they're great and they think they know it all, and there's no patience or kindness, but because of their knowledge, the weak person is destroyed. And then if that's not enough, Paul gets his highlighter pen out, yes? He says this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus sinning against your brother 
and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. This loveless attitude, this lack of patience, this lack of kindness, this rudeness, this insisting on their own way was sinning against Christ. And just when you think it can't get worse, it gets worse. 1 Corinthians 11. And we know the, 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 the second part of this. Chapter 11 is about the Lord's Supper. It's about communion. It's about the very time when brothers and sisters gather around the Lord's table to celebrate what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for them and to look forward to his return. The absolute epitome of real love, Christ Coming to this world because God so loved the world so much. Christ dying on the cross for the sins of, of all those who call upon his name to be saved. Christ's love is poured out and manifest in the communion service. And these people, these Corinthians, in verse 18 it says, There are divisions among you. 22. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What do we see in here? We see pride. We see rudeness. We see arrogance. We see people rejoicing in wrongdoing. We see gross distortion. A lack of kindness. A lack of patience. And I'm sure as you, you can think of others there. And then the passage moves to the sandwich that we're in now. We haven't got to chapter 14, but I'm going to lump 12 and 14 together just for this purpose. And, and chapters 12 and 14 with 13 there in the middle, Paul is correcting a church that is rejoicing in wrongdoing and not the truth. This church was envying spiritual gifts. This church was arrogantly manifesting, pridefully manifesting spiritual gifts because they wanted their own way. This, this was a church that was grasping. The teaching here is deep and serious. And there's a big problem here. And the Corinthians had to be told that they were a body and no part was obsolete. And they were not living by that standard. And because they were not living by that standard, they had to be told how to behave. Verses 21 of this chapter 12. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the bodies that seem weaker and indispensable, you know how it goes on. And then this is the backdrop to this chapter 13. And despite these Corinthians' obsession on the manifestation of spiritual gifts, they were no superchurch. And they were no superchurch because the very foundational saving gift of love was not manifest there. And that's why this song, when it was originally sung in that original letter, was not a ditty to get all emotional about. It was a ditty to look into your heart and cry and lament. 
Because those brothers and sisters were not living in a Christ-like loving way. And all that had gone before had pointed it. Paul didn't pen this, these words as some sentimental interlude to the letter. Or let's give them a break between 12 and 14. A little bit of light relief. Let's give them a bit of teaching on love. No, this is to spear home the truth of what's going on. Paul didn't pen these words, or should I say quill these words, is probably what he did then. He didn't quill these words to give the Corinthians a good feeling about themselves and about love. And he didn't pen these words in the first instance, he didn't quill these words in the first instance to teach the Corinthians about love. He was wanting to say, where is your love? You talk about spiritual gifts. You talk about the charismatic. You talk about the amazing. You want these things, but where is your love? And I'm sure that this was not a pleasant experience for the Corinthians. If the Corinthians were Africans, this would be when they would be nervously giggling. Yeah. You know that laugh you do when you're being told off? Yeah. That's where they would have been at. If, if they were English-European, they would be bright red in the face. Veins out pulsing. Realizing the magnitude of what was being said here. We don't know what they looked like, but we need to know what they felt like. There would have been a lot of introspection going on. They'd all been caught up in this loveless stuff. And there would have been a, a mixture of emotions running through them as they realized that their lack of love was making themselves as nothing. And the very thing that they thought was making them something was not doing it. Because it is love. That is the most important. The Corinthians will not get spiritual gifts right if they don't know what love is. And the Corinthians will not get church right if they don't know what love is. They won't get it right if they don't know the importance of it. And this is what Paul is saying to them. But 2,000 years on, we come to this passage, don't we? And, and we want to get spiritual gifts right, don't we? Yeah? We want to get it right. We want to understand it. We want to know it. We want to get spiritual gifts right. And, and, and if we want to get church right, do you know what we have to do, friends? We have to listen to that song. We have to listen to that hymn. We have to listen to those verses in the same way as those Corinthians did. We, we, we need to get past the wedding, sentimental, Instagrammable love of those verses. And we need, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to hold those verses up to our lives. And ask ourselves the question, how is our love in comparison to this list? How is our love in comparison to this divinely inspired, God-given description of what true love is? And friends, I want to help you. I really want to help you. 
And this comes from a place of love. But this past week, I want you to think about this. I want us to hold up this verse. If we can have that verse up there for us in the next slide. So it's there. I want this verse to be in your minds when you think about your last week. This, this last week. Were you patient at the international office when they were inept again? When they'd lost your receipt? When they told you to come back and come back and come back and come back? Were you patient? Were you kind when your housemate was so annoying? When they did that thing again that just you told them to just wash the dishes and put it back and you go there and the sink is full of their wretched, dirty dishes and how do you do it? Are you kind? Or do you vent your spleen? Are you envying those who have paid their school fees? Or when you stood there at the bus stop and the Benz and the Mercedes, the Mercedes Benz goes past and the African guys are in there looking all cool. And are you envious? Are you boasting about your summer school results? Are you boasting about the, the publications you have made? Are you boasting about the money you made on Forex? Are you arrogant about your status, about your nationality, about your undergrad, about your master's, about your degree, about the fact you're a professor, assistant professor, the fact that you are, are you arrogant? Have you been rude? When that person in the shop maligned you just because you were of color, just because they didn't like what you looked like and they were rude to you? Were you rude back? When the car in front of you cut you up, did you wave graciously or do other things? Were you irritable when you didn't get your own way? When things weren't going the way that you wanted them to, how you'd planned them to, how you thought them to be, were you irritable? Were you resentful when your landlord took your rent from you? Did your social media content and consumption rejoice in the truth? Or did your social media history rejoice and enjoy in wrongdoing? When everything was falling in around you, when all things were going wrong, when the chips were down and against you, when you'd heard the news from home that you didn't like, did you bear all things? Did you believe all things? Did you hope all things? Did you endure all things? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. 
or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. That's the mirror. That's the mirror. But let's go up closer to the mirror. Let's look deeper in this mirror. Are you patient with those who don't understand your view regarding the spiritual gifts? They have a different idea to you. They have a different belief to you. Are you kind? Are you kind when you use your spiritual gifts? Are you using them for the benefit of the church family? Do you envy those that seem to have it easy or altogether spiritually speaking? Are you jealous of those who seem to have great spiritual gifts and are always at the front doing stuff? Are you proud of the spiritual gifts you have? Or are you proud of the great theological orthodoxy you have and you're not like those people there because you know better? Do you think you are better than others because you think that the gifts have ceased? Do you think you are better than others because you practice extraordinary gifts like tongues? Are you rude to those who do not share your views on spiritual gifts? Do you insist on your way being the right way, whatever the cost? Have you lost or spoiled friendships by not having a teachable spirit over spiritual gifts? Are you irritable with those whose views are different to yours? Are you resentful of those who feel have more spiritual freedom than you? Or are you resentful for those who are not as spiritually controlled as you? Do you rejoice in things that are clearly unbiblical? Are you willing to be changed by and rejoice in the truth even if it's different to what you've traditionally or culturally held to. When it comes to this area of spiritual gifts, do you bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things? Love is patient. And kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, 
endures all things. Love never ends. Friends, I want you to take a few moments and look in the mirror. Look in the mirror of those verses. And if and when you see where you haven't loved as you should, repent. Come to God and ask for forgiveness. Because friends, if we want to be a church that's useful, we need to be a church that loves. If you personally want to use the spiritual gifts to God's glory, you need to be a person who loves like this. It doesn't happen by accident. And yes, as we learned last week, we are given the gift from the Holy Spirit at our salvation of love, and God's love has been poured into you. But as you look in the mirror, ask the question, is that the love that's been poured out of you? And if it's not, confess and ask God to help us.